Hello and welcome back to Fast Charge. I'm your host Dom. I'm joined this week by the staple Toddy, though Lewis Hello. has actually escaped our clutches for the week. He is off enjoying the best that miserable, grey, rainy England has to offer this week, <laughs> uh, on holiday. But uh, luckily we have Hannah and, and Nyren here to fill his shoes. And we actually have another busy week. People keep launching stuff. Sometimes kind of unexpectedly. So we have, uh, I mean, the big news, the headline stuff is that Sony uh, had its long-awaited Xperia launch event. We got, as we were expecting, the Xperia 1 and 10 Mark III. But Sony threw in a little surprise and gave us the Xperia 5 Mark III as well, quite a few months before we were expecting it to turn up. So that was a little chaotic uh, that uh, was followed up today, ZTE, one of the big Chinese manufacturers that hasn't really had a big global presence yet. Uh, they unveiled the Axon 30 series. We've got two phones in that. Um, this is most notable in a way because of what the Axon 20 series was. If you may remember, the ZTE Axon 20 5G was the first phone with an under-display camera under-display selfie camera, at least the first one you could buy. Uh, funnily enough, of the two Axon 30 phones we've seen so far, neither of them have that tech in them, but we'll get to that when we get there. Uh, and then finally, to round things off, Aniron is going to talk about the Nubia Red Magic 6, the gaming phone which he has been playing and testing out for the last week or two. So we'll have his final thoughts on how that shapes up. Before then... Let's run through some other little bits and pieces from the tech world over the last seven days or so since we last spoke to you all. First thing we kind of just wanted to get out in the open before we move on is the OnePlus Watch. Um, reviews are out. You will have seen some this week. I don't want to spoil things if you haven't had a look, but they are maybe unexpectedly negative. Um, I, they're a bit mixed. Some people do like it, but, you know, some people have been very unimpressed. Um, we do have a OnePlus watch, but because of some shipping problems and some other delays on the UK side, we've actually only had it for a day or two. So we haven't yet tested it properly. We're not ready to give it a full review. I'm hoping, depending on what else comes up, that we will have a slot on the show next week. For talking all things OnePlus Watch. That will be with Chris if we can because he's the one reviewing it. But for now we are figuring out what we think. But yeah have a look. Go read some of the reviews and let us know in the comments uh, what you think. And whether you think reviewers have been unfair on it so far. Or if it does look like a bit of a dud. That's for next week. Uh, other things that have launched this week. We were almost going to talk about uh, today. PCL which uh, had a big launch event the other day. It's actually had a couple launches this week. It had a big event um, earlier in the week for some TV and smart home stuff. Uh, but then they followed up with a phone event where they launched four phones um, in the TCL 20 series. We already saw some TCL 20 phones back at CES, I believe it was, when they first unveiled some of the line. Uh, we got another set this week. The TCL 20L, 20L Plus, 20S, and 20 Pro 5G. Uh, they're all in that kind of budget mid-range space. I'll be honest, they don't look super, super exciting to me. We've had kind of mixed feelings on the TCL mid-range things we've tried out so far, but they're there. Um, we will hopefully be able to get some into review, so maybe we'll talk about them again on the show when we've actually had one to play with. But the other interesting thing they did on uh, Unveil was the TCL Fold and Roll, which, I mean, I love for the naming alone. But this is this is quite interesting. This is a concept phone that is both 
foldable and rollable. It folds open and then it extends once folded. Um, they say it is smartphone, phablet, and tablet. Um, I do have to admit I'm stealing this joke from someone on Twitter, but I can't remember who. But <laughs> I do have limited trust in any tech company that still uses the word phablet in 2021. Um, but fold and roll. Um, TCL has actually unveiled loads of foldable and rollable concepts already. So this is just joining a big selection of concept devices they showed off. Nothing's actually come to market yet. Um, they do insist they're going to re release a foldable this year, but I don't think this is going to be the one. Expect something a bit more standard whenever they do finally put one of these things out on the market. Then, the other stuff I want to talk about is actually stuff that will be happening next week and the week after, because we've got a few confirmed events coming up. Um, first, and to be honest, probably least, the Realme 8 5G is going to be unveiled on the 21st of April. We've already seen the 8 Pro and the 8, so this is just kind of the third in the series. It's probably going to have 5G. Other than that, we don't know a lot about what to expect. There have been some leaks, but something kind of upper budget, lower mid-range with 5G support. More excitingly, next Tuesday, Apple's spring-loaded event. Um, big Apple event. We'd known there was one coming for a while. This is the one that was maybe going to happen in March. John Prosser lost his eyebrows over it. It's now coming <laughs> next week. We don't know exactly what to expect. Uh, the Everyone's obviously pouring through the teaser invite. It looks a bit like a, a kind of Apple Pencil illustration. So people are thinking new iPad Pros, because we've been expecting those for a while. Maybe a new gen Apple Pencil to go with it. Uh, the AirTags that have been like expected at every single Apple launch event for the last six months. Maybe they are finally going to materialize. Uh, but we will find out next Tuesday. So we're definitely going to talk about that on next week's show, whatever turns up. And then, finally, the week after next, we are getting yet another Galaxy Unpacked event. Uh, Samsung is throwing events out left, right, and center. This is probably mostly laptops. We might see some A-series phones or something. Um, they've teased the most powerful Galaxy yet, which is essentially, everyone's reading that as meaning some rumored Galaxy Book Pro laptop devices, basically. So get your hopes down if you're expecting to see the Z Fold 3 or the Z Flip 2 or something like that, I don't think we're about to see an exciting foldable. I don't think we're about to see a flagship phone. Probably some laptops, maybe some A-series phones. I don't know, maybe a nice washing machine or something. But um, that's that's about what we've got look, to look forward to there. All right, on to the show proper. I'm going to hand over to Toddy, who has been doing all things Sony for us. So Sony has unveiled, like I already said, three new Xperia devices. They are the Xperia Mark III series, the One Three, which is the sort of top-level flagship, uh, the Five Mark III, which is pretty close but smaller, and then the Ten Mark III, which is more decidedly mid-range. Um, yeah, do you remember the Xperia One Mark II from last year? They did it again. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's a bit harsh. More. <laughs> it, it, yes, exactly. It, it looks like the same phone at first glance. Yep. Um, and it has a lot of the similar stats, like the kind of dimensions are the same, the layout is the same. It still has a dedicated camera key. It's still a 6.5 inch 21 by 9 display. 4K and OLED. That's all stuff that we've seen before. Uh, triple 12 meg camera set up on the back. That all is, for the most part, the same. Um They've made a couple of tweaks. The kind of big standout features here are it's the first 4K HDR OLED 120 hertz display. The refresh rate 
was one yeah. of the big shortcomings of the Xperia 1 Mark II last year. So the upgrade here is 120 Hz. We did see that on the Xperia 5 Mark II last year, which I believe in our new review at the end of the last year. Um, that one wasn't 4K. That one wasn't exactly. Yeah, that was full so HD plus, I believe. Yeah, full HD. Um, uh, on the subject of the 5 Mark III as well, that's unusual that it's here at the first half of the year. That is usually their kind of six-month refresh flagship release, if you will. Yeah. Um, so they both have Snapdragon 888 chips. They both have, I think, 12 gigs of RAM. Um, the main difference being, yeah, the Xperia 5 Mark III is, I think, 6.1 inches, has a full, rate, uh, full HD panel instead of a 4K, but still HDR, OLED, all that other good stuff, 120 hz um, The other big thing is the camera. Both phones have this triple uh, 12 meg camera set up with an ultra-wide, a main, and then the telephoto. Um, the closest thing we've seen so far has been the Mi Mix Folds uh, liquid lens, mm. but... Sony has built a periscope lens for the first time into its phones um, The on the telephoto, on the zoom, that actually moves inside. Uh, basically, it's got like a motorized zoom. So you can jump between 70 or 105 millimeters. Focal range, which is about, I think, 1.9 or 2 to 4.5, 4.4 um, times zoom uh, optically. So there's no loss in those two zoom ranges. So you're effectively getting four lenses with three actual physical lenses. Just to clarify, it's jumps between those two settings but it can't yes move gradually i don't them. think they yeah. Ha- yeah i think you literally tap a button and it jumps up to the other one so yeah. and in that time it physically moves the lens pieces inside the phone um i don't think you have the ability to manually position which yeah. would be nice but and I'd, ho- hopefully one day that'll be where we end up with this stuff yeah for sure um, for sure but nonetheless that is basically achieving what samsung did with a whole extra sensor but without the need for an extra sensor and instead extra bits yeah. of lens so it's quite it, cool this has been the trend for the top top flagship phones recently has been basically you throw in like a two times or three times telescope but then also a five times or ten times yeah. periscope so that you can have a kind of close zoom and a like real zoom zoom um but that's a whole you know two lenses two image sensors extra processing units required for all that stuff so it is quite interesting and smart to find a way to build that into one lens one image sensor um, much more space efficient but yeah, there must be amazing engineering challenges in getting the moving yeah. parts in again because it's a tiny little lens, <laughs> really and it's small. already a periscope. So there's already yeah. like a prism in there and exactly. then, like stabilization. So yeah, just the whole works. It's it's a, an impressive feat of engineering, and I guess yeah. that's kind of Sony's whole vibe is that they, for the past like at least three or four years, I'd say at this point, they haven't really deviated from their their target audience. They know that they aren't going to have mass appeal, so they've doubled down. On appealing to, I mean, they they named the kind of five groups that these phones cater to, the flagship stuff anyway. So it's cinephiles, audiophiles, cinematographers, photographers, and gamers. Right. Um, and that is evident in having a really nice screen, having a really solid camera setup, um, having a uh, they they've improved Game Enhancer mainly with like more kind of novel features this year. So Game Enhancer is the software that lets you kind of you know. Um, silence notifications whilst you're gaming and that kind of stuff but they've added in you can record game footage at 120 fps which is good because the screen supports that natively now obviously um you can capture the last 30 seconds of gameplay like you could on say hitting the share button on your playstation controller nice um so there's a few extra little fun things in there as well um and also if you like audio it's got a 3.5 mil headphone jack both the one and the five mark three do which is pretty cool. All three of them um, do as well, actually, the, the 10 Mark III as well. I know we haven't spoken yes. about it yet, but that also has has the headphone jack. 
I do yeah. really that is an interesting commitment that they've made to stick to it is providing that they've pushed audio I mean always with their flagship yeah. phones and they've got both um, upscaling tech and like a really solid amp in there and all this stuff um, also the I think both the five and the one mark three have um, stereo speakers that now offer it could do it with headphones before it was 3d spatial audio now they can do it with this the speakers on the phone so i guess technically you could move the phone around in 3d space and the sound positioning would change which is kind of cool um they only have that i think for tidal right now which is a a bit limiting i know i know (laughs) We have the head of the games. <laughs> I saw potential in the feature, but they need to yeah. need to execute that, and that's I think a big challenge for Sony is working with other companies. They're great Absolutely. at working with their own like internal things. So you know you've got the Cine Alta branding from their pro cameras, and you've got you know uh, the Bions from their Sony Alpha stills shooting, like sure. processing and all sorts. Um, but yeah, it's a solid upgrade. Um, it's it's I think enough to entice people like or, or to challenge people who are looking at maybe samsung phones or or you know whatever um but because of the niche aspect of it and the fact it just doesn't have the same kind of like um brand love that yeah you know, mainstream in the phone space like the s21 yep. range do that's where it's going to um suffer and the other thing is we don't i mean today we kind of learned pricing but we don't really have official pricing yet the phones don't have a formal mm. launch date yet yeah they're coming early summer um, and yeah, today we we realized we spotted somewhere that uh, Sony Russia's website put pre-order pricing up, which kind of puts them around the pricing of their predecessors. Yeah, so they shouldn't hopefully get more expensive. The Xperia One Mark Two was um, just over a thousand pounds, and I think the One Mark Three is going to be about the same. If it goes much more than that, I think that's just too much for what's on offer. But I mean, um, it's it's already yeah. pricey for what it is because it's in the yeah, same exactly. pricing space as Samsung do for that Ultra model and stuff like that. So it's it's really up against the top top level of. I think Sony's argument is that they they've got a few world firsts in there, especially exactly. in the One Mark Three, and so that's how they can justify the price hike. So we'll we spoke, have to wait and see. Yeah, we spoke last week when we were talking about LG leaving the industry about who would who wins when LG when LG loses. And one of the like suggestions to that was Sony, um, essentially because both LG and Sony for a long time were chasing the same niche, yeah. which is audiophiles and people who are Definitely. very fussy about display and camera from a sort of technical perspective. Um, and I think, you know, that is what a lot of the Sony the Sony base is for the Xperia phones. And I do wonder if they'll also pick up some LG people who would be looking to upgrade to you know the the, the lg g10 if it existed and, and that sort of thing and instead <laughs> with no lg flagships to look forward to they might find that actually it's the experience that cater to the same the same tastes um there is one other thing on, on the Xperia one i do want to like actually circle back to which is the display because yeah. i've got to admit i'm a little skeptical about it not that it's going to be good i think it's going to be great but 4k 120 hertz is a lovely world first probably a terrible idea because the battery is i think 4500 milliamp hours which is it's the biggest battery we've seen in an xperia one device and they've managed to get that battery into both the 5.3 and the 10.3 as well in terms of capacity which is really solid and it's obviously like the less demanding the phone the better the battery life's going to be but yeah Yeah. it's never been strong suit of sony's phones and 
it's going to be maybe better, but depends if you also run it at that 120 hertz at the yeah. same time. If you can, okay. they didn't specify what. Yeah, you that, I mean that would be a question if you can do both simultaneously. Um, I guess actually. Yeah. It would be weird to push it as 4K yeah. 120 hertz if it doesn't do simultaneously, because that would yeah. immediately be the headlines in the first reviews. As uh, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't do what they said they would. Um, sorry, Hannah. No, I was just going to say that I reviewed the um, the Oppo Find X2, and that has a, a refresh rate of oh, sure. uh, 120 hertz. And I remember just being like, "Yeah, just turn it to dynamic. Like, don't have it on the whole time because literally the battery just goes like you know, and it like uh, right, it's just, yeah, right. it's just not worth it for like you know the amount of if you're just using it for day to day." Like there's only times, there's only specific times when that'll be useful. So yeah, I'm not sure the battery yeah. life is going to be great on this phone, but we'll have to I, see. Yeah. <laughs> and with the with the Find X2 Pro, if it did die, you had 65 watt oh, wide yeah, charging, thir- power 30 it back minutes, up. and yeah. you're good to go. Like you know, so which is yeah. great. Whereas Sony's also been mm. dragging its heels on fast charging. Yeah. The the One Three and the Five Three mm. both support 30 watt, and they come with a 30 watt adapter in box. Um, yeah. The Ten, I think, supports 18 watt. Okay. Um, so that's you know half less than half the speed. So you also yeah. have to wait longer to recharge the thing as well. So um, it's yeah. Mm. It, it, there's certain clear weak weak points if you're looking at like the best of the best that Sony is trying to put these phones up against. Uh, there's a point yeah. from Alex in the comments, which is what I was actually like about to say as well on this front is like it's if you can see the difference because I think with I, 120 hertz never... you totally can. I think the jump from 60 to 60 to 90 certainly yeah. 90 to 120 hertz maybe. You can spot the difference. I struggle to spot the jump from HD to QHD on a phone. Yeah. Uh, I've not actually personally reviewed any phones with a 4K display, I don't think. Um, though I've you know, sort of seen them briefly. But I cannot imagine you can tell the difference from QHD up to 4K on a display that size. It's just not going to be visible fun- fundamentally. And you're going to take a massive battery hit. For, all, I mean, for what I think used... fundamentally is just a, an on-paper spec yeah. that makes no difference to usability. Yeah. Having used all of the 4K phones since the first Ultra that Sony has, has released, the main issue initially was viewing angles because just having that level of like pixel density just meant that like they just it was terrible for viewing angles despite looking great head-on. Also, I'm pretty sure it's adaptive, so you can't lock the screen. Everything isn't always 4K. It's only when you're watching 4K content that it actually right. enables. Oh, um, cool. based on previous devices mm. so you then that also have to find compat- yeah it does help in the battery front but you then have to find compatible 4k hdr content well, that's 21 by 9 aspect that's ratio the practicality to like... aspect isn't it how often <laughs> do you watch 4k content on a phone i don't i, I mean <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's just me finding supported stuff i'm pretty sure to test it i ended up just downloading sample stuff from i think a sony website like yeah. that had sample 4k probably from one of their camera mm pages from their alpha cameras or something and it was like here's the video footage from this phone, this camera to be fair um, on that i think, I think that's how i tested it <laughs> more and more youtube is now going to be 4k and true, if you watch true. something like disney or netflix on your phone um i don't know how many of them offer 4k on their android apps because yeah. or because there aren't going to be that many 4k that much 4k compatibility but the places do all have 4k content certainly youtube you'd be able to get 4k of youtube fairly regularly so if that is you know if you watch film trailers or whatever on your phone you would get the benefit there but, <laughs> but maybe not it's, still, it's just such a niche. <laughs> and again i i just really doubt mm. you could actually spot the difference personally but yeah and uh just to touch on the the 10 mark 3 um sony's mid-ranges the 10 series have been pretty fine but a bit underwhelming mainly underpowered 
Um, mm. They've gone for the Snapdragon 690, which basically is how they've got 5G on there for the first time in their mid-range, which is a great move for the brand and having that to consumers is awesome. The 690 is, is fine. Typically, I think we've seen better chips in, in that kind of 6 and 7 series that do a better job with 5G and it would have been nice if they maybe plucked up for a little bit more power. Um, the other main benefit is they've added in HDR to the display uh, because it wasn't HDR before. At least there was no mention of it when I checked on the 1 Mark II. The review, because I reviewed the 10 uh, Mark II last year, the main crux of it is that even though it's not a particularly exciting mid-range phone, it's got a unique set of attributes that lots of mid-range phones don't have, namely having a 21 by 9 OLED display, IP68 water resistance, and a headphone jack. Just yeah. That's a recipe you don't really get in the mid-range space. So that's all true again. And it's still probably true of the mid-range space. There's just not many phones that compete against it in those areas. So if you're looking for those attributes, it is actually quite a unique offering. And now it has 5G, which is great. Um, but again, I suspect it will be underpowered and unexciting in other ways, just yeah. going on my experience with the previous um, Xperia 10 range. Again, it just, like you said, it is unique. It, it, so, yeah. it takes a very different approach because those are exactly the features. Less headphone jacks, that's dropped for other reasons, but um, an IP rating um it is exactly the sort of feature yeah. that everyone else just drops when they're going into the mid-range because it's expensive to get exactly most people don't care as much mm. and you can prioritize uh you know the, the processor or the camera spec instead so there is something there to say these are like the the flagship nice to have features uh yeah. delivered in a mid-range and that just means you compromise on something else but for a lot of people who don't really care what chipset they have in the phone that probably makes sense. It's again, it's a niche yeah. kind of offering, but it's nice to have something that's different because everyone else chases very similar spec sheets mm -hmm. in their mid-range devices to some extent. So at least it's nice to have something yeah. that is different and may, may appeal. Does it? Does Sony manage to still yeah. target um, a specific audience with mid-range or do they just not do very well? Does anybody know? With their mid-range? Yeah. I would say they were like, they're very clear about where the flagships are aimed at they don't really make the same kind of concerted effort to push who their mid-ranges are for. Um, and even if you just look at like the product page on their website, it doesn't look like there's anything specific about the 10 Mark III that says, oh, this is clearly the phone for, you know, uh, film movie fans uh, who don't have the flagship yeah. kind of money. Um, I think it's just so that they have a, a foot in the mid-range market. That's kind of it. Yeah. Uh, usually at this time of year, the last two years, you know, they introduce... A flagship, a mid-range, and then a budget in the L series. So really what's happened this year is that the yeah. Xperia 5 Mark III has replaced whatever the L series would have been, I guess the L5, mm -hmm. um, which is odd mm -hmm. because now they don't have a new 2021 budget offering, which they did last year. And I'm pretty sure, Anaron, did you review the last L series or write about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what that's, I, I did review it, yeah. Mm. That's what, what came to me is that I think it was 169 or something in the UK, right. and it really, at that price, it just really wasn't competitive. Mm. It did. It kind of the features it offered were quite niche, especially in that budget market where you're just prioritizing like the maximum amount of specs and things. Um, but what I say, I do like that it's like Sony's one of the only companies that goes that still doesn't go for any any type of notch. So yeah. It still it still has a headphone jack at least, um, and that if it still feels like it definitely has a place in this market. And I like that there's a really kind of simplified product line, so you know that there's. If we if we do get another budget phone, you'll have one at kind of budget mid range, this kind of cheap flagship, and then like the high end flagship. Um, one thing I was going to ask is, 
Uh, I know the Xperia 5 Mark II. I don't know about the other ones. They had like the uh, side-mounted fingerprint sensor. Is that still Ooh, on the new phone? Question. Um, I think. I think it's still yes. power button. I'm looking at the renders, and it, it mm. definitely looks like it's yeah. The same. It builds into power button. Yeah. But if that means it's a thinner device mm. overall, I'm okay with that. And personally, I prefer the resistive mm. fingerprint sensors on the back or the side because they're usually faster. Yeah. They um, tend to be a little still, more reliable. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, although having yeah. used the S21 Ultra for a long time now, I am well impressed with Samsung's improved ultrasonic sensor. It's now so fast. Mm. Much better than the previous version by a mile. Um, but that's the only sensor I can think of that comes close, truly comes close to those resistive ones. So I'm all for Sony just keeping it in the power button. I like yeah. that kind of combined functionality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, me too. Yeah. And that is as, sure. as kind Definitely. of an iron yeah. was gesturing at. That's one of the ways in which you could never accuse Sony of chasing trends in the industry, right? They make <laughs> the phone they want to make uh, and it doesn't reflect what everyone else is doing. It reflects what Sony thinks works and what marks its niche. You know, as a, you know, the cautionary tale is that is very much the line LG took a couple of years ago when they were like, yeah, we make the phones we think people <laughs> like want and that we make and we, we're not paying attention to what everyone else is doing. And I mean, you know, look how that worked out for LG. But uh, Sony is hanging in for now and hopefully they've got more, more focused. It is an interesting thing with the timing because as you said, we would normally get the five Mark three six months after the other two yeah. models. They've come late because they would normally be announced in February. And yep. then the 5 Mark III has come come early. The weird thing is, though, that means other than announcing some budget L phones, it's probably going to be 12 months before we see another high-end Sony phone. Like that, That's probably or, it, it for now. Or they do, in six months, they do an Xperia 1 Mark III Mark II. <laughs> no, don't oh, tell them. Please, you know, <laughs> you, rule it out. you know my feelings on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's fingers crossed that isn't the case. But I would now, I'm now very intrigued to see whether Sony does anything, and if so, what does it do in the second half of the year? Maybe, maybe that's when we get a new Xperia smartwatch because that's been years since we've had yeah. one of those, and I really liked the one with the. What was it called? The transflective LCD that you could see in daylight and in it with a backlight. I was going to say, didn't they? Didn't they have an Xperia Pro recently, where it was like another the, kind the, of the Pro was unveiled alongside the Mark, the Xperia One Mark Two. So February last year was when they first announced oh, okay. it, and yeah. then it didn't launch for months. And then it was only ever really billed as a uh, more like an industry tool. It was but consumers could buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, one of the features, or maybe a couple, the the ergonomic, um, the shutter button is now got like a knurled surface, so it's easier to use, which I think is a trait from the the Xperia Pro. Uh, another maybe more useful one, again for those enthusi- enthusiasts, is that it now supports uh, USB video connectivity or UVC, something like that. That's what the acronym stands for, um, which the Pro could do as well, where you can plug in your camera to the Xperia, and it gives you a much higher quality, much larger display to see your camera through, which yep. is cool in very, very specific circumstances. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it has potential, I guess, to be useful there. Uh, I think MKBHD got his hands on the Pro later last year, and his mm. best use case for that feature video, was you could plug in like a high-quality DSLR, like Sony camera, uh, or mirrorless, sorry, and use it as a high-quality Twitch camera, and that be your face cam. Yeah, And you could live stream from the phone as well, because it has a SIM, obviously, <laughs> and it has 5G. So... The most niche functionality, yeah, but was, yes, technically, it's got again, a few you, extra little. You can see them trying to leverage other bits and be like, "Well, if you're if you're a if you're a filmmaker or a photographer and you buy Sony cameras, 
well, here's just these few little reasons that might tip you into making your phone a Sony as well. Um, yeah. And the same with like the game capturing stuff. Mm. You know, if you've got a PlayStation at home, and this is the one they still haven't leveraged as well mm. as they could, and they really need to get better at it. Mm. But they need to make yeah. the convincing pitch that if you have a PS5, you should buy an Xperia phone because you, you will get these benefits from yeah. using it. It still Xperia only supports phone. DualShock 4 as well. It, they haven't actually added DualSense support, <laughs> so you can't even plug in a DualSense controller and game on it. Or oh use my it to god! Play. Come on, guys. I mean, I mean, I think you can do it via Bluetooth, but it doesn't <laughs> yes, have like native have... inbuilt integration, so it won't That's be like, seamless. Yeah, I asked that last year before mm. the PS5 even hit the market yeah. when we already knew it was coming, and they were like, "We'll get back to you on that mm. with the One Mark Two. Yeah. Oh no! Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Well, they've still got a few months before these things even launch, so uh, maybe yeah. by that time they'll get their act together on the PlayStation side. Um, yeah, as Toddy said, we were expecting the Xperia Three line to launch in early summer. Uh, yeah. We're still waiting on official pricing, but yeah, looks like something in line with last year's, maybe a tiny bit more, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, and we will find out. I think these look solid. They look like more more of what we expected from Sony. If you love Xperia phones, I can't see why you would dislike these ones. If you don't get the fuss, I can't see, what, see why these ones would win you over. Uh, no. But that's fine. Sony, keep doing your thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Moving on, let's turn to ZTE, which launched the Axon 30 series today. Uh, today we saw the launch of the Axon 30 Ultra and the Axon 30 Pro, and they kind of teased the Axon 30, but we're not actually getting that one yet. So maybe I'll just do the Axon 30 first, because there's like one line to say about that. The Axon yeah. 30 is the proper successor to last year's Axon 20. It will have second-gen under-display camera tech, so that selfie camera built into the panel so that it doesn't block the screen. Uh, I reviewed the Axon 25G. The tech was very much first-gen tech. It worked, but there were compromises to like picture quality and camera quality. Um, they say it's significantly improved and refined. There will be an Axon 35G with the second gen of that tech, but they blamed the global ship shortage for why it's not ready to show off today. So some point next few weeks, next couple months, we're not sure exactly, we will see the Axon 30 that will have that next gen under display. But what we do have are the Pro and the Ultra. They do not have under display cameras. They just have uh, punch holes, just like every other phone out there. So I think that's a clear sign that ZTE understands that there is a compromise you're making with that. And they're actually for these like flagship level photography phones. They know that probably people aren't willing to make that compromise yet. And they'd rather have a good selfie camera that slightly breaks up the display than, than give up the quality there. Um, but these are kind of interesting phones in their own their own right. I think we're going to focus on the Ultra because that's the one that they've said is getting a global launch, whereas I think the Pro is probably staying only in China. And worth noting, global does actually mean global this time. The Axon 20 had a global launch except the US and Canada, but they have said that the Axon 30 Ultra will launch in North America, which is pretty interesting because not that many Chinese brands give North America a go. Um, do not expect to see this with carriers. You know, this is absolutely not going to be in an AT&T store, but it will be available for North Americans to buy from ZTE's website, which in itself is just a big move. That's a big shift. I, I looked into what ZTE currently offers in the US when I was writing the new story. And like, they have like, I think five or six phones you can buy from their US site. Right. Um, there is also, uh, I think they're called, I forgot what they're called now um but verizon's mvno or an mvno that uses verizon's network 
um, they actually offer about three ZTE oh, phones, really? but two of them don't have the word ZTE in them. Uh-huh. One of them does. Okay. But then the, so the, the, the suffix are, <laughs> I know, right? The suffix like the A7 blade bit is the same, whether it's branded by the carrier or branded by ZTE. So you can kind of tell which ones are the ZTE phones. Yeah. That is, from what I could tell, like the only real way to get ZTE phones in the US right now. Because like they came under similar flack to Huawei in the eyes of the government. Um, I think before Huawei ever did. Uh, and it was the same actually over here in the UK as well. Um, so just the fact that they're trying to push a, a yep. high-profile, high-end device like this is very interesting. They, the they, they were getting market. trade restrictions before it was cool. <laughs> yeah, they're like the hipsters <laughs> of trade restrictions. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay, the the 30 Ultra, um, fundamentally the highlight thing here is the camera spec, which is a bit silly, but um, it's a quad camera on the back. The least interesting of the four cameras, in a way, is the periscope, which is an 8 megapixel, 5 times periscope, which is pretty good. Um, but then what they've gone and done is made every single other lens, all of the other three, are 64 megapixels. Which <laughs> is probably really unnecessary. Um, and it looks like a very impressive spec on paper. I'm really fascinated to see how the actual picture quality turns out. Because as we all know, megapixel count is not the most important thing. Um, but you know, they've, they've got a, like a, a mix of Samsung and Sony sensors, but broadly good ones. Like it's an IMX 686 on the main lens, which is, you know, a good sensor. It's not the top, top cutting edge, but you know, very, very solid. Um, so it's, a, it's probably a good setup. 64 megapixel main, 64 meg portrait, 64 meg ultra wide. The portrait one I find odd because it's not like they could have done like, like the S21 ultra and gone for like a, a zoom, like a fixed focal length zoom. <laughs> I that think that periscope. is what they mean. Um, I think oh, this it's might... a 35 mil equivalent, they call it. Yeah, because it's the same Which time. Which is portrait, you know. Vivo amount. does the same thing. <laughs> they they throw a two-time zoom lens on, which right. they call portrait. Um, right. They call it a okay. portrait lens because it just crops in a bit or you know, it's zoomed in. Um, so I think that is the equivalent of that short throw telephoto and then the Fair proper enough. periscope as well. Uh, but yeah, no, they look interesting. And then otherwise it's, I mean... Tully, you, you, you actually wrote this up, so you'll know more than me, maybe. But otherwise, it's top um, spec, right? It's a Snapdragon 888. It's yeah, eight or 12 gigs of RAM. Yeah. In China, there's actually a, a terabyte model, which I thought was kind of crazy. So if you really need a lot of storage, then you can get that. But uh, otherwise, yeah, it's, I think, 256 most places. Which is more reasonable. <laughs> yeah, and there's the other kind of big talking about, I don't know whether we should wait till the end of this segment, because it leads nicely into the next <laughs> segment. Um is refresh rate, so maybe we talk about that in a bit. But yeah, beyond that, it's uh, MyOS 11, which is their own, and that that might just be how they uh, brand it in China in terms mm. of their user experience. A top Android 11. I actually can't um, remember what a... the ZTE software was like when I the Exxon 20 is the only one I've used of theirs in yeah. recent years. Like I can't remember what I thought of the software. Um, mm. it, it looks like it's got some you know useful features like floating windows and that kind of stuff. If that's what you like, so maybe it'll be good for multitasking. It's hard to say at this this point. Um, yeah, beyond the cameras, there's nothing too crazy. It's actually kind of a small battery. I think it's 4,800 million powers with a 66-watt wire charging, no wireless charging that I could remember seeing, uh, no water resistance that I could remember seeing. Yeah, it's like it's hard to get excited about the other specs when the camera is so weird and unusual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they, they're very much, you know, they, they know that's the leaning. They, they're billet as a photography flagship was i think the phrase they used 
Um, it is it is interesting. They lean into talking about it the way they the way ZTE describes the phone is that it's got three main cameras. You know, they kind of then slip and do then refer to one as the main main camera, but they kind of want to. It's this confusing mess. They talk about the main camera and then the ultra wide main camera and the portrait main camera, and you're kind of like, well, okay, so only one of them is the main camera, isn't it? But um, I do like this move we're seeing. We've spoken about it before, where we're seeing other brands have done this by moving the ultra wide to being the same caliber as the standard lens um the high profile one this year was the find x the oppo find x3 pro where they put the exact same sensor and everything in for the ultra wide but we've seen it oppo did similar last year and then the oneplus 9 pro also has um the ultra wide is not the same sensor and spec as the main but it's kind of getting close uh pulling that through to the to the portrait to the two times zoom or whatever exact zoom it is is interesting I do like this approach where people are recognizing that, look, it, it's all very well throwing in a, bundle, a bunch of different lenses, but if there's a massive quality difference the moment you switch off the main camera, <laughs> then, you know, what's what's the real benefit? Um, yeah. OnePlus 80's macro sensor. I've, I've always wondered yeah, exactly. this about ultra-wide cameras because, yeah, a lot of the phones I've reviewed, yeah, there is, like, a massive drop, and it's like, think about it. When are you going to be using your ultra-wide lens? Like, for me, I would use it on, like, if I was travelling and trying to get a big shot in there, and if mm-hmm. it's, like, you know, something like, I don't know, like the Grand Canyon or whatever, um, you want to get as many details and stuff in there as you can. Um, so having a massive drop in quality is, like annoying um so yeah i think it's um the ultra wide is really useful don't know about the portrait mm. <laughs> but you know <laughs> that's just me if i'm taking the portraits i'm happy <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think those those short zoom lenses are still still have a place even as we get into like the the proper periscopes and again this one has a periscope as well but you know sometimes you want to zoom in on something that's properly at a distance and get that but equally i've had other times where you hit the periscope lens and it's like oh no that's way too zoomed in i need i do need something less than that and that's where those it, it does have a 60 times hybrid maximum zoom length but yeah. how hybrid it is at that point I, i'm doubtful yeah i mean as we've seen with all this stuff generally speaking once you get past the optical distance it, it really drops off uh, the hybrid terminology is so funny because people do say oh it's five times optical ten times hybrid and then goes up loads more beyond that in digital i'm like so what are you doing differently past that point and this definitely feels like them just saying well it's actually kind of all hybrid it's all the same thing all the way <laughs> so we can just, just give up after mode. 10 times yeah um, <laughs> but i'm very incu- uh, curious to test these out i think my fear is that this looks like something where like i said i like the idea of the other lenses all matching in quality my fear is that they've just picked the easy way of making it look like they've done that by giving them more high megapixel counts um and that actually the sensors are different enough that you'll still be seeing big quality changes and you know color tuning challenges for them between them because you're shifting from a sony sensor to a samsung sensor between lenses and things like that um so it's all very well them having the same megapixel count but that doesn't mean the quality is going to be the same it doesn't mean you're going to get color consistency and that is still the area we're seeing people struggle. That was one of my big annoyances with the OnePlus 9 Pro was for all of the OnePlus emphasizing how good the ultra-wide was. I still felt like you switch and you're like, no, I can tell this is, the color's totally different. The quality's dropped off a bit. Like it's not, hitting the same megapixel count doesn't guarantee you anything. Um, but it will be interesting. It'll be interesting to get to play around with it. It. This is another one where they've announced it. It's on 
pre-orders in China right now, but it yeah. will be a little while before we actually get a proper international release. Like I said, they've promised it for the Ultra. I think they said in May they're launching internationally. Yeah, it goes on sale in China on the 19th of April. And yep. then, yeah, May, they didn't say a specific date. Um, direct conversion of pricing from Chinese One puts it at around £530, which is obviously not what it'll actually it retail for once it gets here. For context, I reckon, the, the, yeah. the Axon 20 5Gs, the standard model, not Pro or Ultra, was £419. Um, retail in the UK? In the UK, yeah. Okay. Which is very a very competitive price at the time. That was quite impressive. So, I would. I mean, six or seven hundred for the ultra, maybe. That sounds pretty good, still. To be fair, yeah, yeah. I Which, would say, uh, if the cameras aren't garbage, <laughs> it's it's if the camera lives up to, <laughs> to what the specs promise is fundamentally yeah. right. I was gonna say, and that's that's so much the thing. They've thrown the right hardware in, but it's just less and less an important factor. You know, the hardware matters, but. Um, I haven't used enough ZT phones to have strong feelings about how they handle the software side of it. I was just going to say on the release thing, I think, I know you said it mm. was more on, you know, for them to be doing, having problems with production or whatever, but Oppo did the same thing where um, they've released the ultra, like they've released the top end models first and like Oppo also released the lower end models, but not the actual phone that's like meant to be the headliner of the line and i just find it really bizarre because it's like it's yeah it's like iphone releasing like you know the iphone pro as well that and not the i don't know it's just strange i guess the thinking is kind of i i think apple did it as well with like uh, most prominently saw it with the when they introduced the iphone 10r to the to the to the yeah. lineup yeah because they had the 10s and the 10s max and then the 10r came out like a few months later or a month or so later I think it's because the people who are most excited, who are keeping tabs on this, the, the fans, the early adopters, are the ones who are more likely to pay for that higher-end device. And then everyone else who's heard about these higher-end devices and heard people who then have them shouting about how great they are might then consider a phone within that range that is a bit cheaper. That's yeah. just a guess. I, that would make sense of yeah. how certain companies like uh, Oppo and, and, and ZTE like, will have done it. I think the Opera approach, to be fair, is different in that mm. the Find X3 is not launching anywhere else. That was more a decision they made about whether the standard model would launch outside of China or not. Uh, the explanation they gave uh. is that they wanted more spread between the phones. They wanted a clearer sense of the different divides of like the mid-range one, the the near flagship and the flagship. And I think they just felt like. You know there are four phones in the Find X3 range, and I think for the for the European market, they felt like the regular Find X3 was too close to the Pro, but also too close to the Neo. And by taking it out of the lineup, you had this clearer sense of it goes light, Neo, Pro, and there's you know divides and yeah. reasons why you make the jump from one to the other. Um, I think in China they're just bigger, so they can get away with throwing more devices out there and and getting sales for them all. I think I think this yeah I think this strategy works for the Chinese companies who are trying to expand into these European markets that they will like have a few like they'll test the market maybe with a few phones or one that's most likely to resonate Absolutely. with yeah. European customers mm. and then and then they will kind of expand the range be like oh we've also got this or you could recommend it to friends or oh if they if you have a really positive experience you recommend a more budget model for a family member or things like that. 
just to kind of get that brand reputation exactly. that they don't at the end of the day yet. ZTE is yes they're going to sell the ultra worldwide i think it is unlikely they're going to sell very many of them in the us or in europe mm. because again without carrier participation that leaves them kind of dead in the water in terms of getting the brand out there and they're still niche they're still not that well known they've still got to prove themselves um i you know do not know for sure obviously but i wouldn't even be surprised if they lose money on selling them in globally and it's a kind of loss leading thing that the costs of distribution and all of that is enough to actually outweigh the units they sell but it's that step they have to take to build towards people people caring and people knowing and them them being a player uh, i mean the funny thing is that he used to be pretty prominent in like europe yep. and 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 even the us because it was it, even if you didn't know the name they actually made a bunch of the carriers like white, like you know, yeah. uh, un unbranded devices. So like Orange, when that was a phone carrier in the UK, oh. a lot of the Orange smartphones oh, were actually oh, yeah. ZTE devices. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, this is from Mr. Three G over here. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, it, it's odd that they're kind of having to loop back around and, and re-enter the market, even though they've never formally left, not by their own admission, at least. It's, it's strange. Yeah. I'll be curious to see if they can um, punch through. They're obviously one of several Chinese brands fighting their way into the European market, and they are the most behind. Um, I would say yeah. even Vivo, that's you know only only officially yeah. started doing it last year and only has a handful of phones. Vivo yeah. still made a lot more headway in terms of branding and the number of units available and things like that. So we'll see what ZT is actually going to do, but they are unusual in having a crack at the States at the same time. Whereas we've seen Vivo and, and Xiaomi yeah. and, and even Oppo just are not trying to sell phones in America, full stop. You know, they all say they want to and they will, mm. but right now they're not bothering. Um, so curious approach from ZTE. Mm. And then finally, um, going to actually a company that is part of the same parent company. Sort of I ZTE. Believe. Yeah, Nubia is a, mm. a ZTE yeah. brand. <laughs> Um, so, Aniron, you have been reviewing the Nubia Red Magic 6, which we've actually spoken about on the show a few times already, back um, when it was rumored, and then around the launch, I think we covered mm. it. Um, so it launched in China yeah. a month or two ago. It's been a while. But as of today, yeah. I want to say, it's now officially out in, in Europe. It's today, yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, and you've been testing it out. Yeah, I mean... So just I've I've tested the 3s, the 5G, and the 5s. So I've kind of seen this Red Magic brand evolve oh, over the oh last dear. couple of years. I'm frozen. Just had um, <laughs> his moment. Hannah, you tell us about <laughs> the Red Magic Six. <laughs> I put it up there with one of my favorites so far. <laughs> well, I guess it's, whilst Aaron uh, is sorting himself out, we should mention the kind, kind of thing I didn't want to kind of jumble on earlier on in the action segment. Kind of a gaming phone, was I think. the fact that, that it has a 144 hertz refresh rate yes. as well yeah it's like it's got this with 165 hertz refresh rate, rate which is kind of the highest it has on about, but it's there. Um, um which is smoother than the mainstream rivals obviously yep. you know just beating out sony who's only just put 120 hertz on there beating out samsung which also has 120 hertz on it's like you know uh on, on its its lead devices um it is also so, worth saying unless i'm much mistaken it's not just 144 hertz <laughs> it is one of the um adaptive 100 high refresh rate displays so we can hit a few different refresh rates along the spectrum 60 90 120 144 yep. i don't know whether you can force it to be in any of those we need to like look at the, the, the user interface is, yeah but i presume it's 144 for gaming and then maybe 120 i don't know where you need 120 specifically 
that isn't just gaming. Well, I think well. It, it's 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 as much as anything. It's that it's dynamic. So if if the game you're playing is only delivering 120 frames, then the screen will will drop to match that, rather than the screen won't keep refreshing at 144 if the game's only delivering 120. Sure. Right. So um, it it will sort of respond to the frame rate of of the content you're on. Um, it seems like it's not as, at least from the way they're talking about it, it doesn't drop as low as some others we've seen do, um, mm -hmm. which is interesting because that to me is the core benefit of these is the battery saving potential from actually being slow refresh rates. Uh, OnePlus in particular hyped up the fact that it could, theirs could drop down to one hertz, um, mm. refreshing once per second. So when you were just looking at a static image on your phone, the screen would just you know, go as slow as it was possible for it to go. And that is a yeah. big battery saver. Uh, funnily enough, ZTE weren't hyping up the idea that it could drop super slow and save battery. But um, there we go. Anyway, Oniron has uh, risen again. Just about the worst Beautiful timing. We have Oniron back. Oniron, you've been reviewing the Nubia Red Magic 6 and you're going to drop from Zoom yeah. now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so what I had started saying until I realised my connection dropped was that I'd reviewed the last three Red Magic phones. So there's the uh, the three the 3S, the 5G, and the 5S. So I've kind of got used to kind of what the Red Magic line offers in terms of a gaming phone. Obviously, this one kind of takes up to the next level. It's got that headlining 165 hertz display. Ultimately, I know they obviously want to draw attention to this feature, but compared to the 144 hertz in the last couple of phones, it really isn't making much of a difference but that's because performance was already so good obviously but now we've got the snapdragon 888 um 12 gigabytes of ram on the model i tested it really performance i don't really know how it could get better the one thing i will say is with the 165 hertz the the, the game selection that actually supports that high refresh rate <laughs> there aren't that many so i think i think nubian like when they were briefing me and things they said they said that technically hundreds of games are supported, but it's probably not yes. the ones Te technically for. hundreds of games um, supported. <laughs> yeah, snake. <laughs> so I mean, like the ones I tested were <laughs> the ones I tested were like eight ball pool and bad right. piggies. It's like an and uh, Angry Birds spin off, but they're not really the games you're yeah. going to want to take advantage of that refresh rate. Um, obviously, the, I went and tested like PUBG Mobile, Call of Duty Mobile, which don't actually hit that one six five, but the performance is great, and I do think, especially compared to like a sixty or a, even a ninety hertz phone, it. Would I guess make there is a, a hope difference. of future proofing here, as well. um, like uh, PUBG or Call of Duty. Maybe they the own it now, but within the time frame you yeah, own this phone, absolutely. you know, if you're going to own it for two, three years, maybe within three years PUBG will hit 165 frames per second. You know, there may also be the benefit of this phone in a, in a few years would drop in price. You would assume, um, so like it may be. Mm. Like, you know, even if it doesn't do, it may do well now, but like, you know, even if it doesn't do that well, it may be in a few years. Mm. Um, some of the other ones that are coming out, they're a lot more expensive. This is a, a better alternative. Do we have pricing? Because mm. I feel like this, this is a kind of backdoor way to get a really good value Snapdragon 888-powered phone, usually, or like a flagship chip mm. phone, is to buy a Red Magic or another gaming yeah. phone, because some of them aren't actually that crazy price-wise. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 509. That's the only model that's getting the global launch of okay. the regular model, which is yeah. pretty affordable. And that's actually what 
because uh, the Red Magic uh, 5G and 5S started at 539 and then dropped in price. So this is actually starting wow. at that lower price, which I think is really an affordable way to get into the world of like Snapdragon 888 phones. Um, yeah. Cameras? So I think that's the design. How are they? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the design is very much what you'd expect from a game. They, they don't go for a notch. Um, they have, so it's a bigger screen now. It's like a 6.8 inch display. Um, and it's with, and but they've made it as kind of within the same footprint. Oh, so that's cool. the bezels are significantly smaller, which is quite nice. Um, but still no notch. And I, th- and I kind of, I, I mentioned in the review that I kind of like, it's quite symmetrical. So when you are using it horizontal, it kind of feels good, but there's still enough place, um, enough room for holding your hand. What I will say about the design is that um, there's only this kind of eclipse black. I'll see if I can uh-huh. show it that it's, ri- but oh, okay. a lot of the Red Magic phones before have been really kind of eye-catching, you know, really gone for it with a design which is really bright and vibrant. And obviously, this one is a lot more muted. There were other colours for it, though. Wasn't um, there like vibrant kind of reddish purple? Is it just that it's only the black that's launching globally? Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, that's it. Right. So yeah, I mean, I mean, like the the five S, the model I tested was like called Pulse, and it was kind of like this fusion of red mm. and blue, and it was really standout. Um, yeah. Hopefully, in the, some yeah, the, in the future, the, like, we'll get some other colour options. And the edges, they look like like a lot of gaming peripherals and I, who was I saying this to? I think it was you and Lewis. And I was like, I hate this spaceship look that seems to overcome like all the <laughs> living gaming peripherals. Like it's like, you know, you can just yeah, like it, it'd be nice to see other colours and other options in there, but you know uh, there's an aesthetic. Mm. They all they all share it yeah. for better or for worse. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Does it have lighting? It has RGB lights. You're worried. I mean, it wouldn't be a true gamer phone otherwise. Yeah, fundamentally, with gaming tech, it's either going to be black and red, or it's going to be black and neon green. Um, yeah. Those are kind of your options. We, I mean, you know, it's telling that it was like this amazing, like, wow, when the ROG Phone Five this year had a white model, and it was like, oh my god, there's, there's white. This is incredible. <laughs> Game changer, <laughs> uh, and it's just because suddenly it's like, oh, okay, that looks a little bit more tasteful. Um, but I always rag on this, and then people tell me off because I think mm. there obviously are people out there who love this look of their gaming gear and want it to look that way. So yeah. you know, if that's you, then then you know, fair play. Um, I I gotta admit, I kind of still miss Razer doing phones, and they were funny because they invented the gaming phone niche essentially, mm. but were before their time, didn't really have the ability to maintain a phone business. And made two, and then and then dropped out. But I liked the Razer phones because they kind of yeah. looked like phones, and they you know did this kind of proper well, gaming thing. And they had a you know they were black and neon green, you know, having just moaned about that. But they were still kind of sleek and, and minimalist relatively. They they weren't like uh, they weren't so spiky and kind of industrial looking, I guess. Well, well, that is true. You said they looked yeah. like phones. I thought they looked more like bricks. I liked <laughs> them. I thought they looked cool. But they were like cool bricks because they were like the most kind of like squared off like they were slabs. It was the slabby yeah. slab, you know. What? We talk about slab brutalist phones, phone design. Yeah, well, I love brutalism, so I'm all for it. Like, give me a <laughs> okay. brutalist phone. Well, what I wonder yeah. with these types of phones is like because obviously with the price point and everything, for the people who really buy them, do they use them as their main phone, or is it like? extra you know a phone that you'd use oh it's gotta be i mean i think it depends how much shame they have (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure there's a small niche of people who can afford to spend the money on a second device that's just 
the gaming on but isn't their phone yeah. phone but i don't think that's going to be the mm. majority i think most people it's you know you buy the one phone and you buy the one that does what you want to do and if you care about gaming then you, you accept is... you may be making other sacrifices mm. on your phone to get that how is red magic's android yeah. user experience just as a day-to-day -day, like not when you're not gaming is it nice to use or is it mm. is it messy Mm. It's, I mean, it's okay. It's it's not it's not it's far from my favorite. It's kind of they've uh, they've gone for kind of like very squared off boxy icons. They kind of switched up the font. They've added a few features here and there. I mean, it's still got all the Google apps, but then it's got like Nubia's yeah. own version. Right. Of them. Okay. Um, the one thing the one thing I don't like is that they don't let you change from that launcher. Ah. So that is like the Red Magic OS launcher. That is it, and you cannot. And obviously, that's the beauty of Android mm. for a lot of people. Um, so I found that kind of limiting. I mean, it gets the job done, but it's all kind of feels like it's tailored to getting you I, into the games, or it's like yeah. easy access and stuff. I do really like what ROG phones. The last one I reviewed, which might have been the two. Um, I don't know if they still do it, but at least that one was nice because it gave Never. you the option to switch between yeah. the the ROG UI. Or Zen, Zen UI, UI, which is Asus's general one. I don't love Zen UI. Mm. It was never one of the best Android skins around. But it was kind of nice that they had this really pretty seamless just dart between them. So you could be like, use it as a normal phone and then essentially just switch the whole UI to like gaming mode for when when you want to mm. do that. Um, and again, these, these phones aren't for me, but I always liked that as an approach where it felt much friendlier to the idea that mm. even if you're a gamer, even if you're committed to this, even if you play a lot of games on your phone, Still, you're going to spend more time on this device not gaming than you are gaming. And yeah. it should, you know, mm. be designed to do the rest of that stuff well, too. Mm. I, will, I will say they do have the, they do have kind of like a, they do have like the game space thing where it's like where they, I think, I think yeah. that's on most gaming phones where you, there's like a physical trigger on the side and then it's got like, where it will like block your notifications or you know allocate more of the CPU and GPU to the game to like maximize mm. that performance. But yeah, I agree. Like when you're when you're outside of that, the general day to day software experience is not it's not great. Just to check on um, Red Magic Six as well, um, there is mm -hmm. also a Pro version, right? But maybe that's not oh, coming mm. out globally. It's not coming out globally okay. at the moment, anyway. So that's the one. That's the one that bumps up. Kind of the headline feature was they were going to bring the 120 watts uh, oh, fast wow. charging, but then, oh no, no, I think actually the global version does cut is uh, the pro version is being released globally, but it doesn't come with that. It only maxes out at 66 watts, oh. which is what the same so the as Chinese the Chinese pro goes to a, has faster it's, charging than the global pro. Yeah, which right, I thought okay. was a bit strange, but um, and then the thing is with the regular model I tested. There's only a 30 watt adapter in the box, right. so again, it's just kind of when you see that headlining 120 hertz, then you end up with a 30 watt in the review monitor. It's kind of a bit disappointing, um, but yeah, I think that's most. I suppose cameras. It's, there's a 60 foot. I think the cameras are the exact same as the 5s. So there's 64 main, eight ultra wide, and two macro, which is really basically useless. <laughs> it doesn't. The macro shots were not good at all. <laughs> but I mean, it's functional. It's a little. It's just, it feels slightly better than previous Red Magic phones, but you know it's never going to rival the best. This is again the space market. where I we talk about this a lot with budget phones that I wish they would just throw in one lens and not do anything else and have one like good lens and just scrap the others. 
and gaming phones feel like it's in the same space where you don't buy it for the camera, but equally you need to have a camera. Um, and why not just say, mm. yeah, this isn't a camera phone, but yeah. it's got a camera, but save the money you're spending on that ultra wide and that macro and just put it into making the one lens you've got as good as it can be for the space it takes up. But, uh, the market yeah, dictates yeah. people like lots of lenses, <laughs> and so that's what we get. Uh, but uh, yeah, this looks interesting. Where where do you think this stacks up in the gaming phone space right now? So we've seen a lot of new launches of gaming phones over the past few months. So sort of every 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 gaming mm. phone company trotting out its Snapdragon eight eighty eight upgrade. Essentially, where where does the Nubia sit in that hierarchy at the moment? Hmm. I think it's up there because if you do want this kind of gaming phone, it really does tick almost all the boxes. Um, oh, I will just mention on that point, the one thing that I did find really annoying was that the the fan, the built-in fan that they have is very loud and can get quite distracting. So that was, mm. but beyond that, it really kind of ticks all the boxes from a gaming phone. I think the ROG phone that Lewis reviewed RG Phone 5, it does kind of have a few extra kind of gaming focus features, even though the refresh rate is down at 144. Yeah, only 144. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, down, down at 144. <laughs> You're paying a lot more but, for the RG um, Phone, is the thing, right? Nubia, Nubia yeah. just undercuts it exactly, by 700. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So I, th I think the more logical, likely contender would be the Black Shark 4. And that has actually gone for quite a different design. So that's that is, as we say, looking more mm. like a regular phone, which I think is quite a big change for that line. Um, so if you do want a phone that's really great, great for gaming, but then looks like an everyday phone, that might work better. And I, th I get the impression we don't have UK pricing for that, but I get the impression it'll be priced similarly. And I guess the only other phone that, that kind of competes with it is the Legion Phone Jewel, yep. which you spoke about last week. But that's kind of, it's kind of operating Again, in that higher price point alongside yep. the ROG phone. As, as yeah, so many phones yeah. aren't, uh, so many games aren't yet utilizing anything close to 144 FPS or, or you know, those higher frame rates, mm -hmm. how far back in the Red Magic line, based on the other Red Magics you tested, would be a worthwhile upgrade to the 6? Because I can't imagine the 5G, the 5S or the mm. 5G are, are enough, it's enough of a jump. Mm, not really, no. I would, I would say the 3S, which was... Uh, that was 90 hertz, and I think you do okay. get a big benefit compared yeah, from cool. that to now. But you still get the familiar design language cool. and experience. That makes sense. All right. I think that is us for this week. Um, thank you to everyone who's been listening or watching, and thank you to everyone who's been on the show with me. We will be back uh, the same time next week. We will definitely be talking about Apple's spring-loaded event. Like I said before, we're expecting probably a new iPad to turn up there but we'll see what it ends up being. So we'll be covering that for sure next week. I'm hoping next week to be able to give you some review thoughts on this, the Huawei Mate X2, which I have had since yesterday. Uh, I haven't really played around with it enough to want to talk about it properly today, other than taking silly shots with a Periscope camera. Uh, but I'm hoping to give <laughs> my proper thoughts on that next week after I've had my week with it. And yeah, as we mentioned earlier, maybe the OnePlus Watch 2, because we have that to play around with, and we are curious to see whether we have the same issues that I know a lot of other reviewers have had. But we'll see what else comes out in the meantime. So talk to everyone then, and thanks for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.